This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and welcome to Energy Matters. We want to help you save money to use technology and to be able to live a more sustainable lifestyle. Well, today, John, my co-host, John Noel, former state representative, we're going to be talking about energy efficiency and trying to unpack this for our audience, both uh, folks that maybe own their own home or maybe they're renting and maybe they can talk their landlord into something. But this is something that you have spent a lot of time doing, right? You you make a living really helping people become more energy efficient. I totally nerd out on this stuff. And, and and a lot of people are interested in it, and that's the great thing, is that energy efficiency is becoming more mainstream. It used to be a, a bad word, now it's a buzzword. So I, I'm, I'm excited we're talking about this. Yeah, in our studio with us today, I've got the Policy Director for the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance, Cyrus Bedwar. Cyrus, great to have you back. And great to be with you, Commissioner. And I've got Ann Blair, who's the Energy Efficiency Transportation Director for the same organization. How are you enjoying your new role over there? Oh, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a great opportunity to launch a new program for the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance, and it's a great compliment to all the work that they've been doing over the years in energy efficiency and energy reform in general. You know, and often tell folks at work in any kind of environmental organization or anything to do with energy, the importance of them modeling leadership by driving an EV or using the technology themselves. And that really helped you land this job, really, because you were driving an electric car and really had become kind of an expert in Atlanta on that with your work with the uh, with the uh, the club that you guys do, right? Right. That That's exactly right. I love being an electric vehicle driver, and it helps you become a better advocate because you're able to, you know, Live it, breathe it. Be able to live it and experience it, it and talk and talk firsthand about the experiences. You know that button that you give out to people, the next car pledge. Right. Uh, you know, I, I ran across my button yesterday. I meant to wear it today. I really should be wearing it uh, a lot. It depends on where I'm going when I'm wearing it. Obviously, the crowd that I'm going to be with and who I'm trying to persuade, so to speak. But politician. Yeah, typical politician, right? And do you have a lot of folks that are taking that next car pledge, and are they signing something? And are you seeing that that the the drive is actually yielding some fruit? Um, it is. Uh, so the next car pledge really is uh, making a commitment or a a promise to learn more about driving electric. Uh, considering an electric vehicle for your next car. I mean, and there are tons of funds to drive, as you know. Um, you've driven many electric cars as well as as John Knoll here as well. Uh, they're fun to drive, and they save consumers money. And so I you know, encourage folks to check out uh, nextcarpledge.org and learn more about the different models that, that are available and to sign up. Um, it provides resources for you uh, when you're considering an EV and what your um, what some of the tools are to, to begin to drive electric. Right. In the next half hour, we're really going to drill down on electric cars. Uh, Cyrus, I think in nice. this first half hour today, I really want to unpack energy efficiency and help our listeners understand a little bit more about it. Some of some of them may be 
uh, deciding to go to a Lowe's or a Home Depot or to go onto the power company website or another website to learn something about it or be be able to actually do something. Let me ask you first, why, why do energy efficiency if you're a homeowner? Why, why, I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm surviving my bills now, what's, what's the motivation? Why do it? That's a great question, and it's really different for different people. Um, so there's a, a partner organization called the Smart Energy Consumer Collaborative, and they've done research into different consumer types when it comes to energy. And they've identified different motivations among different uh, consumer segments. So there are people who are motivated by environmental concerns. Uh, there are people who are cost-conscious and do want to save money on their on their bills, and there are people like uh, your co-host here who are really technologically inclined and love gadgets, and there are a plethora of new gadgets coming out to help you manage your energy. So it's really different for a lot of people. Um, when we talk to the people who help make homes energy efficient, the home performance industry, uh, they will say it's absolutely comfort. They will say the husbands call in July when their bedroom's hot, and the wives will call in November when the kitchen floor is cold. Uh, huh. And so energy efficiency is really not uh, done Nerdy. for saving energy. It's done for okay. making the home a better place to live. Um, so a lot of reasons. Wow. Uh, you know that's that's a pretty practical some pretty practical stuff. What does it cost for the average person there? You know, I guess they're thinking, well, man, maybe mm-hmm. I should do something like that. Right. I mean, do you recommend that they first get an energy audit to know where they should go and kind of evaluate? You know, doing the the thing that's going to have the most impact uh, first. How, how do you begin? That is that is a great question. And again, it depends. You refer to uh, a, a number of different living situations. So, for a homeowner, if you own the building, if you own the home, then that is that is a great way to start an energy audit. And what is an energy audit? It is done by a certified professional, a contractor who knows their stuff, has been trained, uh, who comes into your home and uh, looks around, does a number of tests, uh, not just for the energy aspects, but for health and safety too. Um, and we'll like prioritize. mold, mildew, things like that. Mold, like, mildew, uh, uh, exhaust gases. If you have gas appliances in your home, um, those sorts of things. So uh, I had one done, um, uh, and it took about three hours. It was on a it was on a cold February <laughs> weekend morning. Um, but they gave me a list of priorities. They told me what uh, approximately is going to save uh, and what it's going to cost. Um, yeah, so what on the energy audit that you had? What was hmm. what were the first couple of things that you felt like I've I've got to do these things to start. Right, really, it was the the, the low hanging fruit. So it was lighting, um, you know. And I went and I got and I've all of my all my fixtures are now LED. Uh, they're yep. dimmable. They're you know they they, they work great. Um, the next thing we did, um, or the more recent thing we've done, is switch to a, a Nest thermostat. Um, and so I I spoke in that in an earlier segment. That really allows you to control the biggest source of your energy consumption, which is HVAC, your heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. I'm on the Nest right now, actually turning down something you just reminded me <laughs> there you Not go kidding. there yeah, you so go john you've got the nest yeah. thermostat and you've got it tied to your, your office phone, and home yeah uh, yeah and and you're looking at that uh, he yep. mentioned lighting and i know john you recently took a, a trip to china and you're working on a led product and i know i, I toured the cree factory up in charlotte mm. and and i didn't know that you could pick different colors i mean i knew leds come in different colors but as a homeowner i didn't know that some of it, some of that white was really bright white, and some right. of it was more of a natural, like candle light. Tell us about, tell us about that that lighting. And Cyrus, I'm going to have you chime in on that as well. Yeah, that's the first objection people have when you talk about energy efficient lighting. First, when it was compact fluorescence, it was that thing's white. 
And then then now LEDs, they're bright. And it's 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 because uh, frankly a lot of the stuff coming from Asia where they have a different perspective, and frankly they produce a lot of more white light. Like you'll just in a, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a house or in a hotel room, it's really kind of white. Here we like softer light, more like gas light, more like those the the, the old chandelier lights. And so that, that that's something called color temperature. And so bright white might be five thousand. And Cyrus will give you the exact terminology. K, 5,000 K Kelvin, and warm white might be 2,700 K Kelvin. So there's this, there's this, there's this, big, uh, this big thing, and when you buy bulbs, you've got to watch where you are on that graph to kind of understand the color, the warmth, or the coolness that you're going to want. Yeah, it sounds confusing. I mean, this Kelvin thing, you know, John's a history major. I'm an English major. I mean, what do we know about Kelvin? I mean, he was in my class, I think, but... Um, what 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 about this Kelvin thing? When I'm looking at the package, how how am I going to be able to decide, you know, what light to get? Right, right. That's a great question and important to a lot of people. Um, you know, in, increasingly the manufacturers are getting better at using just plain English. So they'll say warm uh, white or cool white uh, or sometimes daylight. Um, yeah, they also point. have uh, graphic images that show you kind of a rainbow spectrum and where that lamp uh, shows up. Of course, you can always ask for help or you can go online for, for to prepare you when you go in the store uh, for what you expect so to see and what you want. the lights in your house, which color did you get? We do prefer warmer, uh, warmer shade of of white uh so we we offer those yes yeah. so yeah. john do so you have a ba- preference bathrooms are a great example 2700k warm white for bathrooms um uh hallways uh, kitchens might go brighter so maybe 3500 or 4000k uh exterior you know at the at the at the at the doors this is residential stuff 5000k more of a bright white more security aspects and those sort of things carry over to commercial applications too parking lots and building round buildings that we do always 5000k bright white it's outside it's night you want that that crisp security light you would hate that in your bedroom or in your or in your bathroom so flip that around and just go warmer so warm for for in, in, intimate settings cooler for outside settings Cyrus, uh, as you think about utilities and how they benefit from uh, from leds you know being out there in the marketplace i, I know that you know that there are rebates people companies mm-hmm. can get and at mm-hmm. the commission we you know, we spend a lot of time looking, you know, at, you know, at, at benefits, you know, and trying to motivate people to do to do this. How, how do you think utilities benefit from this? Utilities benefit because we're using lighting a, a lot of times when they need that power for other purposes. So we're, we're competing with other uses and the LED lighting reduces the amount that's needed for lighting. So it give, it frees up that power. They don't have to build these expensive or buy expensive power at those peak times uh, to satisfy the need. So we pay for those plants, those peaking plants that might get used one or two percent of the time. Exactly, exactly. And LEDs reduce that demand. Yeah, John, you know, your thoughts on you know, on utilities, you know, giving rebates. I mean, do you think it's a good idea for us to do more of that? I love it, but I have a particular interest in it because my company, you know, does projects like that, and we are incentivized, and our customers are incentivized by by rebates. But irrespective of that, I'd be for them. And, and I was I was bad I was battling other entities and other states that were doing it long before we did, and and we're grateful for people that step up to the plate that encourage that stuff. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about this pay-as-you-save pilot uh, that's being discussed in Georgia and how folks maybe that uh, are uh, low-income might be able to get some things done on their house Mm. and benefit from it. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, and you're listening to Energy Matters. 
The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. You get, every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could tack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Row. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG's transaction, litigation, regulatory, and privacy counselors serve clients in healthcare, real estate, litigation, business transactions, fintech, global commerce, government investigations, and logistics, and transportation. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of Energy Matters. Yeah, I appreciate John Gornall and those guys down at AGG for all the work that they do in Atlanta. Thank you, John. That's my co-host, John Newell, former state representative yes, in the studio with us today, Cyrus Bedwar uh, and Ann Blair. Uh, they both work with the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance. Let me say one thing. These guys are gurus in their field, and this is what what great thing about this program is we are bringing the experts, I mean the real experts that have been at it for a long time, into things. And it is a real honor for me personally to be uh, seated next to both of these uh, folks. And we do a lot on Twitter especially, so if you go to my feed at Tim Eccles and just look for that hashtag Energy Matters and we'll be – directing you to all of our guests and hope that you'll be able to to save money to use technology and to live a more sustainable lifestyle that's what we're all about here speaking of saving money uh, this pay as you save program i was out at the verge conference in santa clara and uh ali kelly ali yeah. kelly mm. and some others brought this ceo for this uh, for for this EMC over to me and said, Commissioner, you've got to sit down with him and hear about this. And he told me about the the pay as you save program, and we are in the process of getting that teed up, so to speak, mm-hmm. in our state. Uh, and it's not a done deal yet, but but you've been involved because as soon as I got back, I called you, mm-hmm. Cyrus, because you're an expert on this. Tell us what the, this pay-as-you-save program is and what it has the potential to do. Sure, sure. We're excited about this program. Um, so pay-as-you-save is what it sounds like. It's, a, it's a, a program that allows customers to invest in energy efficiency in their homes or buildings without paying up the upfront costs of that investment. Uh, the utility supports that investment, and then the customer pays back the cost of that over time on their utility bill. And so what this does, it allows 
allows the customer to match the savings that they get from that energy efficiency with the cost of making the investment. Uh, and in fact, uh, the program is designed so that they actually have a lower utility bill after they do the program than they did before. So the cost of the investment is less than the savings that they get from it. So it's a great way to motivate people uh, to do energy efficiency um, when they were confronting, you know, a whole home at retrofit can cost upwards of seven thousand dollars, and that's not people. A lot of people don't have that money lying around. So this program makes it easy for them from a cash flow perspective to do energy efficiency. And um, just not too long ago, your colleagues from your former employee, uh, the the uh, the uh, SACE, Southern Alliance for Clean Energy, came to my office, and we were talking about energy burden and three particular zip codes in Atlanta where the energy burden was reaching 12 percent. And and to our listeners, what we're talking about here is that that if you're sitting there as a a resident, you're spending upwards to 12 percent just on maybe your gas and and electricity. And so I thought, uh, and, and this is what I shared with them after our meeting, is look, why don't we target uh, the pay as you save program in these three zip codes, and let's see if we can change that. And so, one of our plans is to go to some of the neighborhood association meetings and talk about talk about this. Uh, you know, so and Southern Alliance for Clean Energy. I mean, they're doing some good work on this. And uh, have you heard a lot about this energy burden concept? Uh, I know maybe our listeners haven't. Yeah, it's a huge issue in places like Atlanta. Um, as you mentioned, uh, the 12% of someone's you know income going to our electricity prices, and sometimes a lot more than that, more than 20%. And so that that causes a conflict for people who may need to put food on their table versus or pay their energy bill. It's a huge issue and something that we need to recognize and establish programs to help lower income communities be able to ad- 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 adjust and adapt to these costs. And not just Atlanta. Uh, I mean, I, I traveled the state uh, and, and this was a big issue that came up all the time. Milledgeville, Putnam County, mm-hmm. some of these folks. So you're already in a rural area. Your incomes are already a lot lower than folks in Atlanta. You already have less opportunity and your utility rates are really high because your co-op is 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 locked into whatever contract they're locked into your house is a trailer or something it's just horrible so we got to try and do something about it i love this program i love the idea so i think it's important and for us to be successful with this i'm always concerned as i bring forward a new idea that if we don't do it right that uh that you know, my sour fellow people. commissioners or yeah. others will they'll be soured on it or, or go no you know that's not that's not going to work so right. I'm I'm certainly hoping that we're going to have a lot of people come forward uh, and that we find the right the right homes and that we do this for we're going to do it as a pilot uh, assuming it passes and then be able to experiment with this and and hopefully grow the program in the future Cyrus um, you know the Pay as you program, pay as you save program certainly has worked out there in uh, in Arkansas, right in the Delta. Tell us about 
Tell us about that EMC and what you've learned about it. It has. It has. Washita uh, Electric Co-op, which is a very small electric utility in in the Arkansas Delta, which is one of the poorest parts of the country, um, uh, pioneered this program for the Southeast. And Mark Casey is the general manager and CEO. Whom and that's who you, I met with. Yeah, at, you at spoke Dirt. to. He's he's fantastic. And he's just touring, crisscrossing the country, talking to other utilities about this. Um, so they he wanted to do something for his customers. Um, his customers are almost all low and middle income mm. customers, just by virtue of where they are, like John was talking about. Um, so he introduced this program. He actually started as a loan program. So the customers would take on debt. They would take out a loan, just like you take out a car loan, uh, to finance these energy efficiency improvements. And he got some uptake with that. But when they moved to this tariff model, this pay-as-you-save model that uh, you have uh, introduced here in Georgia, um, participation skyrocketed. He, uh, they say these days, uh, eight or nine out of 10 customers who are eligible for the program accept the offer. Wow. And having worked in energy efficiency programming for about 15 years, I can tell you that number is remarkable. That's big. You don't see that with other programs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because John, if you're doing energy efficiency, you're doing it with customers that do have some disposable yeah. income, right? And so being yeah. able to help right. a, a poorer person. And even then your close ratios may be 30, 40% on a good day. So you're, you're doubling that. But the idea of being able to pay through your bill, that is the, that is, that's the holy grail. Yeah, so I think and, and we'll finish up talking about pay as you save with this, Cyrus. You know, we're talking about the home actually incurring the debt, right? Because if the person moves, they're not carrying that debt with them. And that's the unique thing about this is that, Whoever then moves moves into that house after them, uh, they will be paying, uh, finishing out, paying for that as a part of the tariff, as a part of their per kilowatt rate, right? That's correct. The the uh, as we say in the industry, it stays with the meter rather than with the customer, which is another benefit. So you don't have to worry about if you're going to be in the home long enough to recoup all the savings. Uh, you take what you can get while you're there, and then you move on. So it's and a very it's a flexible capital. program. That's great. It's a capital improvement. So it might be spray foam insulation. Well, that sticks with the house. I mean, that's solid. That might be a new air conditioner. That needed to be done anyway. So there's all these capital improvements that raise the value of the house. So you're not just saving money. You're also raising the value of the house. Let's talk about Energy Star appliances. I'm shopping for a refrigerator now. And uh, as I've you know, I'm a big Delta person, and so I use that SkyMiles shopping app, and, it, and you log in, and it takes you to Home Depot. And I'm, I was looking on the Home Depot site and setting the filter, right, for the refrigerator. So, you know, I need a side-by-side. Mm-hmm. I don't want one of the really fancy, expensive ones, but I do want an Energy Star. Uh, and, you know, how important is it for consumers to ask for the Energy Star and look at that? What, what difference does it make, anyway? Energy Star appliances are always in the most energy efficient uh, uh, part of their particular product category. So they make it simple by just looking for that little blue label. You don't have to worry about the specs. You don't have to know much about energy, what you use. You just know it's your good housekeeping seal of approval for energy efficiency. So it's been designed, it's it's now what, a 30 year old program at this point um, that's proved extremely successful. Um, and it, yeah, it, it, it's just what it says. It's it's the energy star of its category. So you look for that label and, and you can be done with worrying about the energy consumption of that appliance. So w- 
what besides a refrigerator would have an Energy Star rating? What other kind of appliances? My gosh, you can get just about everything. And every year they're bringing in new product categories as things evolve. There, you know, home entertainment uh, is a more recent entrant as our TVs get bigger and we have multiple devices attached to them. Uh, they started to bring those devices in. Even homes can get an Energy Star rating. Um, so you know, the 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 possibilities are almost endless. Yeah. So as as we look at this, John, is that something that as you do an audit of someone's home, are you recommending Energy Star appliances? Oh, it's yeah. I mean, dishwa- I need to do dishwasher right now. I mean, Energy Star is actually the baseline. And what you really want to do is just only look at Energy Star and then dive down into those particular ones and go, oh, well, that's the most efficient of the efficients. And so do that with your refrigerators, with your dishwashers, with your washing machines, and these sort of things. That's the way to attack it. Yeah, we've been talking about energy efficiency in this segment, and we're going to continue to talk about that with our experts from the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance. As we go into our next segment, we're going to come back and discuss electric vehicles, so maybe some personal experiences from our guests in the studio, talk about uh, the Peach Pass in Georgia and how you can avoid paying a Peach Pass toll if you live in Gwinnett County, and about the time of use rate. Boy, that's something that really can save folks money. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Sterling Planet. Welcome back to Energy Matters. Support for Energy Matters comes from Sterling Planet. Sonny and Alden and all the folks at Sterling Planet want to help you meet your environmental and business goals with renewable energy. From understanding RECs, that's renewable energy credits, to a carbon offset plan, to innovative white tags, energy efficiency certificates, They can help you navigate the corporate green energy world. See more at sterlingplanet.com. Thank you very much, John. My co-host, John Noel, former state representative in the studio with me, Cyrus Bedwar, policy director for the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance, and Ann Blair, energy efficiency transportation director. Ann, let's, let's go to you here as we kind of transition and talk about electric vehicles. You've been an EV driver as a I uh, have had three electric vehicles, and you know we hear some funny stories out there. And uh, <laughs> you you heading up the club. Tell us about the club first, because that was where I I first saw the uh, Kia Soul, uh, because mm-hmm. the Kia people brought it to the club. And when I saw it, 
I said, oh, I want one of those. So the club is, I think, instrumental in helping people get more information. Tell us a little bit about the club. That's right. EV Club of the South has been around really since the late 90s. It formed when the EV1 uh, was first out. Um, A lot of Georgia Power employees actually had the EV1. So a group of people came together, began meeting monthly at Manuel's Tavern. It's the third Wednesday of every month uh, from 6 to 8. And the club is uh, open to anyone and everyone interested in learning about electric vehicles or have electric vehicles and uh, we often bring in some of the newest models that are coming out for example the jaguar i-pace was out last month Um, folks had the opportunity to come you know check it out and get a first-hand look at some of the newer cars coming out on the market and share stories and experiences and you know tips for making the most of your um, driving electric experience yeah so many people in Georgia, got Nissan Leafs, uh, you know, initially. Right. Uh, the the tax credits were there, and people were taking advantage the, uh, of the car. They were, you know, it was the cheapest car, I guess, out there on the market. The Chevy Volt actually came before that, though. Right. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Chevy Volt and that experience. Uh, the Chevrolet Volt is a great car for people beginning to transition to driving electric or those who may have a little bit longer range uh, than being able to afford some of the more expensive longer range vehicles. Uh, for a Chevrolet Volt, you get approximately 50 miles of all electric drive before it transitions over to, to gas. So for For most drivers, most drivers in the U.S. drive fewer than 60 miles a day, and so this car you can primarily stay on electric during the week, but if you need to have a, you only have one car and uh, you need to go on trips, it's a great solution for that while giving you the experience of plugging in your car um, and driving electric. So it's really feasible, John, I guess for a person if they have a Volt to charge in their garage and then drive to work and if the commuter. office yeah, yeah. Uh, commuter if the if the office has a charger charge there and technically you you could just monday through friday not use any gas bingo yeah i think that's right yeah so you know more and more employees uh are able to do this at work uh and are you seeing this that's right. are you seeing uh companies that maybe were hesitant at first to do chargers are they now embracing this i mean georgia power's got some some rebates mm-hmm. uh, are, they, are are you seeing more and more a more a higher take rate on ev chargers yeah absolutely um, many leading businesses cox enterprises for one is um has installed a lot of charging infrastructure at hundreds, their offices uh, hundreds of hundreds of them, uh, hundred, hundreds of them. Uh, you're finding them you know coca-cola delta many of the large businesses begin to install charging infrastructure as an amenity to their employees um, right. to encourage them to drive electric right. and in many cases at these workplaces um the uh the electricity to charge the car it's is free, free. Yeah. Um, because it is an amenity uh, for those employees. Now, John, let's talk about corporate leadership for a second and the importance of companies doing this. I mean, are you are, are you seeing this and what's driving uh, a, a boardroom or a manager to to put charging infrastructure out in the parking lot? Well, I, uh, I, I, though, as you well know, I'm a Democrat. I'm also a free market capitalist. And uh, I love I love a deal, and I like the market being able to. Uh, I like to make a little money on something, and we install electric chargers. We have 
It's not a core competency. But one of the one of the interesting places we've done it is in apartment complexes. We have apartment complex customers, and they say we need to differentiate ourselves from the guy down the street who's got an apartment complex. And one way to do that, especially with young people who tend to rent more, uh, is to have electric charging infrastructure. And so we'd put in electric chargers. So at a leasing office, they come to look at their uh, at their unit, and they go, "Oh, I can plug in here for free and charge." Yes, you can. And so that, that 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 overcomes that objection if you don't own a house and there isn't a plug outside because you're in unit 8F, you can plug in near the leasing center and charge your car. So those amenities help sell that apartment complex to more people. So that's a business decision that the apartment complex owners are starting to make. Uh, and there's companies here in town, and the name escapes me at the moment, who specialize in, in parking garages and retrofitting existing parking garages that didn't have this stuff in the 80s or 90s, whenever they were built, and there were dinosaurs. Uh, and we just had the old dinosaur cars. Now they come in and they figure out a way to put in lower voltage, not level two chargers, but lower voltage chargers that people's going to plug in all. They're going to let it roll all night anyway. Who needs to have a fast charge when you're there ten hours? Yeah, and that's I think one of the misnomers out there. Back when those Leafs first came out in 2012 and 13, I think people thought, well, we need to give them the primo parking places. We'll put them up close to the front, but EV drivers don't really care about that, do they? They just want to charge. They don't really care, right. care where the charger is, right. right? I mean, just look at Lenox Square Mall, for example, and the fact that they kind of put it up there close to Peachtree Street, uh, and that also keeps people from resenting electric car drivers, right? Right, because right. You, you do have you do have uh, vehicles that will take those places that are that are Ice. gas that that are yeah. ga- ga- right. gas vehicles or. You know, we call it icing a, a charger. So, t- talk about this misnomer about EV drivers having to have the best parking places. No, it, it's not something that most EV drivers really feel like they need. One of the pluses of doing that is it raises the visibility for people who may not be EV drivers that there is charging available. But for people who drive electric vehicles, you know, they typically, you know, as long as there's some charging available where they need it, um, that's sufficient. Yeah. We're happy to ride in the back of the bus. Yeah. And I wanted to respond to your you know, previous question as well. For example, Georgia Power is offering rebates uh, for both residential and businesses to install Level 2 charging. For residents, if you want to install Level 2 charging, you get $250 rebate. Uh, for businesses, you can get up to a $500 rebate for the installation of a Level 2 charger. Hmm. You know, and John, people think these things are expensive, but I mean, I went to my electrician who knew nothing about electric vehicles, mm-hmm. and I said, can you put me a junction box below my fuse box uh, and then plug, just wire this device into it? And I handed him I handed him my charger. And I think the charger was four ninety nine at the time. He That's charged right. me $200. Totally fair. So, so yeah. $699 to have it in my garage. That's a level two. Explain the difference between right. a level one and level two. It has to do with amperage, which is another snoozer for a lot of people. <laughs> Just to give you the, the simple version, uh, the wall plug right here uh, next to us in this in this studio, that wall plug will allow you to pull as much as 10 amps, roughly. Uh, and so when you plug in your car, and I've been to friends' houses and might have had a drink or too many and just decided to stay, which is fine. 
but I needed to plug my electric car up. So outside, in the outside plug, I plugged in, and I just charged at that 10-amp low charging rate, which would have given me about four miles per hour of charge. But, so, level but overnight, but that overnight, gives you, I mean, 10 that hours later, that's that gets 40, you back home. You're right? darn right it does, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's great. And, and maybe I needed to sleep in the next morning. But the point here is that a level two allows you to charge at a much higher rate because it's got a lot more amperage. So uh, at my house, I have a lower grade level two, part of that Energy Star deal early coming in, 24 amps. So then you're charging at a faster rate. I think I'm at 12 or 14 miles per hour. And then most people, like yourself, would have a level two, uh, and that would be, say, 32 to 40 amps, and then you're at roughly 20 miles per hour, or something like that, and and so that's mighty fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was able to charge my Leaf and my Kia, you know, in less than four hours, and yeah. because I I would very seldom run it down to zero, and this is, you know, this is another misnomer, isn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. because electric vehicle drivers, and just in this last uh, last few seconds of this segment, how how do they view the fuel tank differently than, mm-hmm. say, a gas driver? Yeah, it is really a mental game, really. Uh, the electric cars do have plenty of notification to let you know, you know, how, you know, where you are in terms of your battery um, uh, capacity for um, and mileage. It actually estimates your mileage. And so it gives you plenty of time to do that. As I mentioned earlier, most uh, drivers today drive fewer than 60 miles a day and so if if you have you can charge overnight and get you know get that back at even the level one charging that that john mentioned that's just four miles per hour that's what i do it meets my needs wow you know in our next segment i want to i want to talk a little bit about the special time of use rate that power companies offer to motivate or incentivize you some power companies that some power companies uh make available and uh, to incentivize you to charge overnight and it's well worth it and certainly fits into our mantra of helping people save money so we're going to dive into the time of use rate and you know i hope that you as a listener will evaluate whether or not you know these ideas work for you and we we would encourage you to call the power company uh or uh to call you know, someone driving an electric car and ask, hey, you know, uh, can I ride with you or will this work for me? So you're listening to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, and stay tuned for more conversation about electric vehicles. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, it's Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 
2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Rowe Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host, my co-host, the former representative, John Noel. Uh, John, we're talking with experts from the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance. Gurus. Um, yeah, Cyrus Bedwar, the policy director, and Ann Blair, the energy efficiency transportation director. Wow, that is a long title. It is. Ann, have you been practicing <laughs> saying that? Yes, and I don't always get it right, huh. um, but Energy Efficient Transportation Director. Ener- energy Efficient. That's a great place for us to start in this segment is, I mean, how are electric vehicles more efficient than the alternative? Mm-hmm. Well, EVs outrank all other fu- fuel sources, comp- compressed natural gas, diesel hybrid, hydrogen fuel cells. The way that they use their energy is way more efficient than any of those fuel so- sources. So when you know, cities, municipalities, or individuals are looking to get into the most efficient use of resources, um, electrification is the way to go. Wow. Uh, drill that down and explain what you mean. Like, more efficient. What, what, what does more efficient mean? The way that they convert, c- energy. convert energy. All right, so an infernal combustion car, you put a bunch of gasoline in there, it's a dinosaur, it converts that energy at what rate? Maybe 20%, 30%? Yes. Yeah. So. That's pretty. And what does an electric do? Mm-hmm. I mean, energy put in is at what? Maybe 92, 93%? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Cyrus, uh, this, this idea of being more efficient, uh, as we think about the grid, right? The, the utilities that are out there, you know, managing our grid. You know, they like electric cars. They like folks using power in the middle of the night. Why is that? They like that because it puts their power plants to use uh, more uh, more times of the day, right? So you build a big power plant, you build it for the peak load that you need to serve. Uh, if you can flatten that load out by having more things going on at night when there are fewer buildings lit up or air conditioners running, that's good for the utility, good for the grid, and good for customers. You know, uh, I don't know how many of our listeners are you know, familiar with the duck curve in California, and uh, I wish I could draw it for you. If you go to go to uh, Twitter or Google and just type in duck curve, you'll see what we're talking about. Duck but it's the curve. impact that, that solar has on not just the California grid, but any state that has a lot mm-hmm. of, of renewables. And we're yeah. going to talk a little more in this segment about the potential that these batteries have actually to, you know, to actually help our grid because they're essentially rolling batteries. They're lithium-ion batteries. So, John, you were in China recently, and you see a lot of electric cars over there, a lot of electric buses. Every cab I was in was electric. BYD, which which is their company there. The buses are BYD. So their electrification of their infrastructure is happening much faster. But I think it would be kind of cool would be to try and integrate that with the with the grid to be able to be almost bidirectional. And so when Cyrus is a, is a, is, a, is a guru and smart guy on on energy, talk about those loads. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to when you plugged in at that peak point 
for them to pay you to take a little of that energy out of your car. And that's 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 beginning to happen. In Japan, they're doing that to some degree, and uh, I just think it'd be kind of cool. Cyrus or Ann, do you, you ever see that happening in the U.S.? Do you see us getting to a place where the power company comes to me as a commissioner and says, you know, we'd like to, you know, we'd like to acquire back uh, – X amount of uh, megawatts, you know, from our uh, from our e- EV drivers that that they've been able to charge their vehicles overnight, and in the afternoon, especially in June, July, uh, August, September, when it's really hot and we have high energy need. Do you see that happening? I do see that happening. I think where we'll first see that is beginning with fleets. Possibly um, there there are um, some V to G or uh, vehicle to grid pilots going on in the uh, northeast and mm-hmm. and some other areas where they're actually testing that, allowing school buses um, to to give energy back to the grid when they are not in use. Um, and I think there, we're going to learn a lot over the next few years from some of those pilots. But I think we are still a number of ways off from that happening on a consumer level. You know, UBS. Uh, in New York, uh, the investment agency, they said that EVs are going to be disruptive to the economy in 2031 in their lab. I mean, let me ask my EV experts uh, here in the room, starting with Ann, do you think they're think they're accurate? You think it'll occur before 2031, or do you think it's about right? I, I think that's about right. Um, I think one of the one of the things that I'm seeing consistently is that battery prices are going to be coming down, so that the entire cost of a vehicle is going to be uh, comparable to that of a conventional vehicle by 2025. And I think um, you know these sorts of uh, additional programs are going to happen after that time period. Yeah, John and then Cyrus uh, on the prediction of UBS. I, I like I watch the markets, and I'm watching Ford stock plummeting, GM stock plummeting all the dinosaurs all the all the ice the internal combustion or infernal as i love to say cars all this all the, the, the poo poo tesla and all the electric cars for so long that didn't move as fast as nissan all these guys are collapsing and it's because the market sees the potential i think that prediction is wrong i think it's going to be much faster happen like this in china it'll happen the same way in the united states watch out electric cars are going to rock cyrus what do you think about the prediction I think that's about right, and I think about it from my personal perspective. Um, as as we talked about during a break, I am not an EV driver yet, and that's because there's not an EV out there that suits my family's needs. There's not one large enough that, that does the things we need at the cost that we can afford. So, as those things change, um, and as awareness grows, I think one of the things I wasn't aware that we haven't talked about in terms of cost saving is it costs a lot less to maintain an EV than it does a traditional gas-powered engine. Um, so, you're saving on that money, and you can put that into the purchase price of the vehicle uh, instead and get a nicer vehicle. So, um, I think I think the, the next decade is going to witness some remarkable changes in our transportation landscape. Yeah, you know, we have, we have college students that listen to the show, and as, as they graduate from college, you know, often one of the things that they do is to go out and get a big loan for a car with their first job. And I, I think in my advice to a college student that was living in a city or just uh, had a small commute of less than 50 miles is to go out and buy a used electric vehicle. Spend $10,000. Great investment. Um, Absolutely. And buy that. I mean, and do you do you see 
Do you see millennials buying used electric vehicles? Or? I do. You know, there is, a, you know, are a lot of predictions about where millennials are going to go in terms of car ownership. But I do think those who do own cars, an electric vehicle is a great option for that, a used electric vehicle. And there are a lot of great options that are currently on the market. You know, in the um, in Georgia, one of the big sales guys of used EVs is BMVW out of Union City. Um, they allow you to take. They allow you to take um, they they have a range of cars but they have a large inventory of electric and they'll let you take it home for a couple of days and try it out and see if the range really fits your needs and I think it's a great option and as Cyrus mentioned earlier the costs are just so much um, less expensive because you have fewer moving parts in electric vehicle and so that's less things to maintain I mean no oil changes you know that that is just incredible for me and because I hate to do things like that well, one of the benefits uh, of driving an electric car, at least in Georgia, especially if you're on, a, on the Georgia Power or Grid, is being able to get a time-of-use rate for an electric vehicle. So you know, I want to end with this topic today. We've got just a couple of minutes. I want you to take your best shot at explaining to a person what a time-of-use rate is because it is complicated, and I find that not many people take advantage of this. So, John, let's start with you. How would you explain going on a time-of-use rate with your home, with the utility? How, how do you explain that in 30 seconds? You want to save money? Follow me. And, oh, how, how do we do that? Well, use less during the day. Use more at night. Shift your load into the evening time. Charge that car at night. Charge it at $0.05 cents a kilowatt hour net rather than $0.12, cents what you're paying at home. So the idea is that you can very quickly move and shift your, your loads. And, and you might say, I don't want to get up at 10.30 at night and put some a load in the dryer. When you decide that that dryer is one of the largest consumers of, the, of your energy and that you can save tons of money, that's the way you do it. You, you start to move or set your timer on your dishwasher to go off at night. Uh, and all these things we can do, and we're not doing it, so it's easy. Cyrus, how would you explain that to someone, the time of use rate? I think that's right. You know, there's it's cheaper for the power company to sell you electricity at night, so they pass those savings along to you. So you move your more of your activities to the nighttime. Uh, and, you know, to tie back to an early segment uh, we did today, if you do energy efficiency in your home, you reduce your needs during the day, so you can save money on both ends. And this is something, folks, that you have to ask your utility for. It, yes, yes, energy is cheaper at night. But you want them to change the way that they're charging you for power. So you need to call them and say, can you put me on a time of use rate? And how would you explain it? That you'll save money if you do use more energy at night than you do during the peak you know, times of day. So shifting that load from nighttime to daytime can save you tons of money. So if you've got an electric vehicle, you can get a special time of use rate. Uh, it's three tiers. Uh, when I lived in Winterville, we had we were on a two-tier system because we didn't have an electric vehicle there. And so at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, my power spiked. It jumped to uh, about $0.20 cent a kilowatt. And then at 7 p.m., it came back down uh, to around 8. Those, pri- those prices change annually, so you, you need to check with your utility. But with the electric vehicle... Uh, John, it goes down again at 11 o'clock. It collapses. Right? At least at Georgia Power's uh, instance, it's around 2%. And then you add all the junk fees and everything else in, and uh, you're up at about netting five, just under five cents, which is insanely cheap. So, I mean, on your plan, 
it's not just your car that's getting the benefit of that 1.5 cent electricity plus junk fees. It's your whole house, right? It's everything running. Your right. air conditioner right. running. Your dishwasher that you that's started. Right. Your dryer that you started. It starts at 7 a.m. whenever it goes back, so you just load up the air conditioner at 6.30. I mean, you know, it's it, yeah, it's crazy. Well, there you have it. Time of use rate, all things electric vehicles today. We hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm Tim Eccles, and you've been listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.